Mark chapter number four is where my text comes from. Mark chapter number four. I'm going to begin in verse number 35. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him alone in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also there with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Today, I want to quote the words of Jesus as the title for what God has laid on my heart. Let us cross over to the other side. Because how many of you know there is another side? We are going to get to the other side. Jesus is going to take us to the other side. No devil in hell can stop us from getting to the other side. If I was at home right now, I'd look at somebody in the room and say, we're going to the other side. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister to us? Would you teach us how to get through what we're going through and get to the other side? Not the same, but different. Not the same, but better. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. As we come to the text, uh, Jesus has issued an order to his disciples. Let's cross over to the other side. And he did this after an amazing day of ministry. The text says they took him even as he was into the boat that same day. Jesus has just done amazing things. He's preached the greatest sermon that has ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount. This is a sermon that has confounded the wisdom of the wise, has pierced the hearts of sinners. Jesus has just healed a man with leprosy. Jesus has just spoken a word and healed a centurion's servant. Jesus has just healed Peter's mother-in-law. And the Bible also says in Matthew's gospel that he healed all all the sick that was brought to him. That's the day that they took him into the boat. And so Jesus is tired. Jesus is exhausted. And he issues this command. He says, let's go over to the other side. And then he goes into the back of the boat or the bottom of the boat, and he begins to take a nap. And this seems to be a perfect day. The water is calm. The day is perfect for sailing. The skies are blue. The birds are chirping. All is well in the world when, bam, out of nowhere, this squall, this, this sea storm. What's a squall? It's a sea storm that is so big that it scares the tar out of professional sailors for their life. Let me make this personal to you. Let me put it in terms of what we're going through right now. The economy is booming. The stock market's at an all-time high. The unemployment rate is at an all-time low. People are so blessed that they are going to all the best restaurants and eating. They're going to Broadway shows. They're getting pay increases and bonuses. Mortgage rates are at an all-time low, so they're buying big houses and they're building bigger. And then, bam, out of nowhere comes a squall called Corona. And it begins to scare people for their lives in every single way, physically, emotionally, and economically. The disciples, for good reason, have pushed the panic button, and they are stricken with fear. And this is not a good place for you and I to be in in our lives, because whenever we get into a place of fear, we, which, by the way, means faithless, 
We forget the things that we need to remember in order to get through what we're going through. Because fear causes us to focus on the storms and shifts our focus away from the Savior. And whenever we focus on the storms, we sink. But if we focus on the Savior, we get to the other side. And by the way, did you know that focus is an absolute choice? Matter of fact, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8 says this. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. This is not just like let thoughts just arbitrarily come into your mind. This is intentional, determined, focused thought. You and I get to choose what we focus on. And if we're going to get to the other side, we need to focus on the Savior and what he has said and not the storms that we're going through. And by the way, did you know that when your faith is tested by a storm, it is not a bad thing? Listen to what James chapter 1 verse number 2 through 4 says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, there is a promise of better on the other side of the storm that you're being tested with. Matter of fact, here's what I'm praying and here's what I'm prophesying over your life and over the life of our church. That we're not just going to get to the other side. But when we get to the other side, we're going to be stronger. We're going to be better. We're going to be more like Christ. There is a blessing in having your faith tested. Matter of fact, in my Bible, the little heading in James says, profiting from trials. And I can tell you based on some of the things that I've been through in my life that they've made me better when I've gotten to the other side. Years ago, I went through an experience where I lost everything. I lost all my wealth. I lost my house. I committed, I had a, I had a file for bankruptcy. And when I was going through that initially, I was anxious. I was worried. I was up all the time. I was not fun to be around. But I got to the other side of that thing. And when I got to the other side, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And God, praise the Lord, has restored everything. But that taught me something, and that got me prepared for times like this. Times like this where economic uncertainty is swirling all around, and people are wondering, when am I going to go back to work? How am I going to pay my bills? Is the government going to give me enough? All of that kind of stuff. But I can honestly tell you that I'm not worried, I'm not fearful, I'm not uh, staying up all night, I'm sleeping like a baby, and I have absolute confidence that God is going to take us to the other side. Why? Because I've profited from the trials that I've gone through in the past. And so if you're going through right now, if it's hard for you right now, I want to encourage you that God is going to make you better, that God is going to make you stronger, that you are going to get to the other side. The disciples, though, they kind of forgot some things. They got in fear, and because they got in fear, they forgot some things they needed to know in order to get to the other side. And I want to give you five quick things that I'm calling things not to forget. Do not forget these things when you're going through a storm so you can make it to the other side. Five is the number of grace, so I like, I like to give things in five. The first thing that I don't want you to forget is do not forget Jesus' word. Jesus gave them the word. He said, Let's cross over to the other side. Now, you've got to understand, Jesus had or should have had some serious street cred with the disciples at this time. 
The disciples were with Jesus on that day that he got into the boat when it, they saw him do all those wonderful things. Prior to that time, Jesus did amazing things right in front of them and they saw that his word was true. Matter of fact, Peter, for example, when Jesus first called him, Peter was fishing all night, caught nothing. Jesus said to him, cast your net on the other side of the boat, and when you do, you're going to catch a drought of fish that's going to be so big you won't know what to do with it. Well, he does kind of half-heartedly, and he pulls up his net. His net begins to break. He pulls the net of fish into the boat. The boat begins to sink. Peter saw that Jesus' word was true. Jesus' word also, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, right before he got into the boat, it confounded the wise. It made the people who knew everything about religion look stupid. It pierced the hearts of the sinners. They saw the power of his word. Jesus also met a man with leprosy. And the man came to Jesus and he said, if you can, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will be clean. And the man was. They saw that Jesus' word worked. And then a centurion came to Jesus right before all this took place. And he said to Jesus, only say the word and my servant shall be healed. And sure enough, Jesus did. And the disciples saw that that selfsame hour, the man's servant got healed. When Jesus said, cross over to the other side, this wasn't just words from somebody they didn't know. This was somebody who they witnessed firsthand how powerful his word was. But they forgot what he said in the middle of the storm. They forgot his word. They forgot his promises. Here's God's word to you as you're going through this storm. Don't forget what God has said. In Jeremiah 1.12, what did he say? He said, I watch over my word waiting to perform it. In Isaiah 55, verse 11, he says this, my word won't come back to me void. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, he says, all my promises are yes and amen. Child of God, listen to what he said. Remember what he said. No weapon formed against you will prosper. He said, no evil will befall you all the days of your life, nor any plague come nigh your dwelling. He said, he's your refuge and your fortress. He said, he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. He said all things work together for the good. He said he heals all your diseases and he said you're going to the other side. Do not forget the word that Christ has spoken to us just because we are in the storm because his promise still stands. It's still true. Number two, do not forget to speak to the storm. In verse number 40, after Jesus calmed the storm, he looked at the disciples and he said, how is it that you have no faith? And there's a deeper meaning that I'm going to get into in just a minute. But on the surface, what Jesus was actually saying was, you could have spoken to this storm. And one of the things that we have to remember as we're going through storms and crises and all different sorts of things is that Jesus has given us his name and the authority to speak to our storms and not about our storms. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24 says, Have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Job chapter 22, verse 28 says, You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established. And here's what I heard God saying to the body of Christ, to you individually, to us as a church, not just faith church, but the churches of God across the entire globe. We have to stop speaking about 
the storm. Stop speaking about the virus and start speaking to the virus. You need to speak to that thing over your family. You need to speak to that thing over your finances. And then we as a church need to come together and command that thing to leave our world and leave our country. We can contribute to the cure for corona by telling it in the name of Jesus to get out of here. Speak to the mountain, not about the mountain. The disciples forgot that. But also, the disciples forgot And this is really the important one. Number three, don't forget who's in your boat. I love verse number 36. It says, there were other little boats with him. Have you heard people say this? We're all in the same boat. Not true. We're not all in the same boat. We're all going through or fighting the same enemy, but we're all in different boats. Different people are being affected in different ways. In this particular case, there were other little boats with them. Now, this tells me two things. Number one, it tells me that they had something to be grateful for. Because if I'm going to go through a sea storm, I want to be in the biggest boat. I don't want to be in a little boat. I don't want to be in a little dinghy if I'm going through a sea storm. I want to be in a big old cruise ocean liner. They had something to be grateful for. And by the way, just as an extra here, one of the ways you get to the other side is you find stuff to be grateful for. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse number 18 says this. It says, in everything, not for everything, but in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so the first thing that it tells me, other little boats, is they were in the biggest boat. Second thing it tells me, this is so profound, listen to this. Jesus was in their boat. Let me, let me say it again for you. Jesus was in their boat. One more time. Jesus was in their boat. Actually, I got to say it one more time because it, it's, it's got to sink in. Jesus was in their boat. Isn't that one of the greatest promises of all of Scripture? Matthew 28, verse 20, 20 says, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. If that doesn't light your fire, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's that mean? Jesus is in your boat. Let me make this plain to you for just a minute. We all know that recently Tom Brady is no longer on the Patriots. He switched teams. He's now on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, before he was on their team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were 50-1 to long shots of winning the Super Bowl. Tom Brady switched teams, and what he did, the odds went from 50-1 to to 15-1, to all because Tom Brady was on their team. If Tom Brady being on the Buccaneers increased the Buccaneers' chances of them winning the Super Bowl, I feel like jumping and shouting right now. What do you think Jesus does to our chances of making it to the other side if he is in our boat? Child of God, listen to me. Jesus is in your boat. And you have the odds changer on your side. David went up against Goliath. The odds were against him. But Jesus was in his boat. Daniel went into the lion's den. The odds were against him. But Jesus was in his boat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace. The odds were against him. But Jesus was in their boat. Gideon went up against the Midianites. 300 of him, 120,000 of the Midianites. The odds were against him. But Jesus was in his boat. Elijah went up against the prophets of Baal. 850 of them, one of him. The odds were against him. Jesus was in his boat. And listen to me. 
Jesus is in your boat. The odds may be stacked against us. Maybe they're stacked against you right now. Maybe you're saying to me, Pastor, I'm at home. I can't work from home. Pastor, I've lost my job. Jesus is in your boat. Maybe you're saying to me, you know, Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this thing. Jesus is in your boat. When Jesus is in your boat, you should have absolute assurance that you're going to make it to the other side. Can I just brag on Jesus for just a minute? In verse number 37, here's what it says. It says, a great storm arose. And the word arose here in the original language means to assemble itself against or to make an appearance. But then in verse number 39, it says that Jesus arose, and it's a different word, arose. It means to awaken from sleep or to simply get up. Now, let me kind of explain what this means in terms of something that I heard a couple years ago. I have a friend, his name is Keith Craft. What's up, Keith, if you get to watch this? And he's a pastor right now of a great church. And uh, before he was a pastor, he was part of the power team. I don't know if those of you who have been a Christian for a long time remember the power team. Anyway, these were these like Herculean guys that did all sorts of strongman feats for Jesus. And back in the day, what they would do is they'd go to churches and, and they would, for instance, they would, they would break things, cinder blocks with their head. You know, line up like 15 cinder blocks and just go, boom, and break the thing. Or they would rip phone books with their bare hands. Or they would take iron rods and bend them. And, and Keith was a member of the power team. And he's like this, this huge man. Like, he's six foot six. He's, he's got muscles coming out of every orifice of his body. He's huge. Well, he was on a plane one time, and he was sitting next to an elderly person. And there were these younger, um, you know, maybe young adults behind him. And they were messing with the elderly person. And they were kicking the chair and, and kind of doing just rude things. And, and Keith glared back at them, but he was sitting down. And so they thought, I'm not going to listen to this guy. Well, they kept it up a little while too long. When all of a sudden, Keith couldn't stand it anymore, and he stood up. And when he stood up and they saw how big this dude was, immediately there was a great calm. Here's what this scripture is saying. This storm assembled itself against the disciples. It collected itself. It came against it. It was a great storm. But when it stood up, all of a sudden, Jesus stood up also. And when it saw how big Jesus was, the thing that was coming against the disciples stood down. What I want you to understand is that Jesus is in your boat. And when Jesus stands up, guess what happens? Everything else in your life stands down. Matter of fact, Malachi chapter number four, verse number two says this. It says, for those who fear his name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. God is ready to stand up in our lives if we'll just keep our eyes on the Savior and not on the storm and not forget who is in our boat. The fourth thing, matter of fact, for time's sake, I'm only going to give you one more. I told you I was going to give you five. Um, but I'll give you number five Wednesday night on our 8 o'clock Bible study, so make sure you tune in. That's kind of my way of getting you to come back for the Bible study. Anyway, I'm going to give you one more, and it's the fourth. Do not, do not forget how much he loves you. The disciples wake up Jesus, verse number 38, and they ask him this question. They said, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Despite them asking Jesus an insensitive question, by the way, Despite them asking Jesus that question, Jesus ignores the question for the moment, and he still calms the storm. And after everything is okay, verse number 40, he asks them back a question. He says, how is it that you have no faith? Now, I want to look at these questions for a minute. First of all, what a question to ask the Savior of the universe. 
don't you care that we're perishing? What a question to ask the God of heaven who left his throne and came to earth for us. What a question to ask the God of heaven who subjugated himself to our limitations. What a question to ask the God of heaven who came to earth and gave his life for us. What a question to to ask the God of heaven who knew no sin, yet became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What a question to ask the God of heaven who allowed himself to be beaten and whipped so that you and I can be rescued and have eternal life. What a question. And some people are asking that question right now. God, don't you care? And and here's what God's going to do. Same thing he did for the disciples. He's going to ignore the question, and he's going to calm the storm. He's going to ignore the question, and he is going to bring us to the other side. And when we get to the other side of this thing, Here's what's going to happen. We're all going to go back to life again. And we're all going to go back to living the way that we always lived. But when we go back to living the way that we always lived, here's what I'm hoping reverberates in our soul, the question that Jesus asked. How is it that you have no faith? I want us to remember that same God that calmed the storm wants us to put our faith and confidence and trust in him. I used to preach that Jesus was mad at the disciples because they simply didn't speak to the storm and because they didn't do it themselves. But then it suddenly dawned on me that Jesus wasn't mad for that reason because Jesus expects us to go to him and ask for help in time of need. It's like the old song says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. He wants us to go to him. And so Jesus wasn't mad because they woke him. Jesus was upset because when they woke him, they woke him with, don't you care? And here's what I think God is saying to us right now, that we we cannot forget In the middle of crisis, in the middle of storms, in the middle of things not going the way that we're used to them going, how much God loves us. It was as if Jesus was looking at the disciples who witnessed everything that he did, saying, by now, don't you know how much I love you? I left heaven for you. I gave up my throne for you. I came to this earth and died for you. I prepared heaven as a place for you so if this world gets the best of you, you could still go on living forever in a place called heaven that is beautiful and wonderful and has none of these problems. I stretched out my arms for you on the cross and said, this is how much I love you. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to get to the other side. He loves you. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. He loves you. Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to get well. He loves you. Pastor, I don't know what I may lose. He loves you. Do not forget in the midst of the storm in order to make it to the other side that he loves you more than I could ever express in words. His proof was that he died for you. And here's the question I want to leave you with. Is Jesus in your boat? Is he in the boat of your heart? Have you invited him to be the Lord of your life. He makes all the difference in the world. He gives you a peace that passes all understanding. But he rescues you from your sin and gives you eternal life. And wherever you're watching from right now, this is the most important question that anybody can ever ask you. Is Jesus in your boat? Is he in your heart? Is he the Savior and Lord of your life? 
And I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say it out loud wherever you are. Lord Jesus, I give you my life right now. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you're watching on Facebook, write the word Jesus in the comments and one of our moderators will reach out to you. If you're watching on our church online platform, hit the little raise your hand thing and one of our moderators will reach out to you. The most important thing that you can redo and you can remember right now is, is Jesus in my boat? Because he loves me and he wants to help me to get to the other side.